0: Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Jim Carr. How you doing, Jim? Hey, bud. How you doing? I'm doing great. I wish I could get rid of this. these yeah, uh, what? horrible allergies that I got going on. It's making me... It does not give me the voice... <laughs> <laughs> for hosting, making chips like I would like to have. That's but, okay. You know, it's, it's not permanent. I have a long season of bad allergies and hopefully it'll be gone
1: soon. I'm just lucky I don't have that. I mean, I've never had allergies and don't wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not It's a good. little rough,
0: but that, I'll get past it. I mean, you, you will. Know,
1: you always have to look at the
0: positive side of everything. And what it tells me is that summer is almost here.
1: There you go. You know, we're here back in DMDII again. You know, I love this place. The people are always so, they're so generous to us when we come here. Yeah, but Before I get there and tee up that interview and tell you a little bit how there was a unique twist to that particular episode, this is a little bit interesting about... Culture, you know, we talk a lot about culture on making chips, right? Yeah, we talk a lot about culture and about workforce development. I know, and that's okay. And uh, because I think it really is a fundamental it's thing. Foundational. It is, and a lot of manufacturing companies lack that. Yeah, they don't pay attention to it. They think
0: it's kind of smoke and mirrors or, you know, like gray area that's not important.
1: Exactly. But let me tell you, in what you will hear from this interview, hopefully I can inspire you to make some incremental changes in your business to do this. Anyway, it's kind of a unique story. Every company has a culture. It's just a matter of whether you're being
0: overt and direct about what that culture is and whether you are making sure that you maintain the healthy and positive portions of your culture or whether you're letting in people who are going against your culture and causing disruption, but every single company has a culture already. It could be
1: a horrible culture. It could be It could horrible. be a cancerous culture. Totally.
0: Yeah, we've seen companies like that, right? Have well, you seen? Be- Well, yeah, before we defined our culture and who we are, we had some people there that... You know, and I always wondered, why are these people not making it here? And now I know why they're not making it there and why there were certain people that we had to fire. Unfortunately, I don't like to ever fire anybody, but we had to fire people over the years. And it was because they didn't fit into our culture. They didn't fit into doobie-go-life, which is what we call our culture.
1: Awesome. Anyway, I've got some manufacturing news before I let you listen to the episode. And it's on Forbes, of course. It's called How Smart Manufacturing Strategies help meet increasingly complex customer expectations. That's a mouthful. It is. So but what's you know that about? what? I was so attracted to the headline because it was screaming what's going on in my business right now. And I tell you Jason, I some days I'm so overwhelmed with changes so quickly. I mean, the customers want the parts faster, cheaper. They want tolerances, they want material search, they want inspection reports. It certainly is not my father's machine shop anymore. Oh, I
0: agree. I mean, I'm dealing with similar but different expectations, but I I always like to tell people that our expectations are constantly being raised, which can be good and can be bad. I think for me, what it makes me do is reevaluate the type of clients that we're partnered up with and making sure that they're a for us.
1: Yeah, and I just want everyone to know that, you know, some days if you're having those struggles, just know that there's other shops out there like mine and Jason's that we're struggling to meet our customers' expectations too of better quality, shorter lead times and all the other things and lower prices on top of everything else. But there's just a paragraph or two within this article that I thought were pretty impactful that I'd like to read, if you don't mind. Go ahead. The first one is a subcategory called Driving Sustainability and it says Two critical aspects of sustainability are supported by smart manufacturing. On one level, it supports a company's fundamental business by automating and making every process more efficient, i.e. we could go into increased automation in your tools or ERP system or robotics, blah, blah, blah. It helps keep costs down and productivity up while increasing an organization's ability to quickly respond to market conditions. It also delivers the information needed to more easily understand and control problem areas and implement new capabilities. Do you agree? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On another level, smart manufacturing enables companies to drive such improvements while supporting the ability to achieve success in each of the triple bottom line, financial, social, and environmental. So if you have an opportunity to read this, it's a couple pages long. I would recommend looking it up. It's a Forbes. And the headline is how smart manufacturing strategies help meet increasingly increasingly Complex customer expectations. And I know I'm feeling it. And I know all of you out there in the metalworking nation are feeling it too. So just know that we're all in the boat together. Before we go on to my interview, I want to know what's going on at Zangers or Black. Tell yeah, me. We do have a lot of exciting things going on. So, you know, partnering with good people is
0: really a key to success in your business. You it know, is. Clients, vendors, partners, you know, just everybody that's involved above. in your business. And, you know, we've got some exciting things going on in that we are partnering up with another company very similar to us. They're a small, medium-sized industrial supply company, and we have a company in common. They cover a particular location in the Northwest side of uh, the United States in Washington, and we cover an area here in Northwest Indiana. And we're partnering up in order to bring more of a national presence to this particular Fortune 500 client. It's really exciting because it just shows what forward-thinking, entrepreneurial, small business owners can do in order to solve a problem for a Fortune 500 client so that they don't have to go to, say, like, a Granger or an MSC or somebody like that in order to get that national presence. So it's really exciting what we have going on and I'm really enthused about how we're going to do things so much better than those other national players and really take things to the next level for this Fortune 500 company and it's it's an exciting time
1: for us. It's all about throughput, right?
0: Yeah, it's all about throughput and doing things that are really going to provide value
1: for the client. Totally hear you. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about that in the in the future months. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so Here's the episode. Hey Jason, IMTS is just a few short months away. I'm super excited. You know we're going to be there every single day. I know. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about the South Building and what's going on there. What what can we expect to see? Well, the South Building, the metal cutting pavilion takes up up the
0: entire thing. So you're talking all your machine tool guys.
1: DMG, Maysac, Haas. All the big boys are going to be there. That's the only pavilion within the south building is going to be metal cutting. Because it's so big. Do it you even know so what big. a pavilion is? I do know what a pavilion what is. What is it? It's a small little house. Yeah, like, like a tent or something. Yeah, yeah but it this is. is bigger I than bet a you tent. can't spell it, though. P-A-V-I-L-I-O-N. S. P-A-V-I-L-I-O-N-S. Pavilion. Yeah. Huh? Pavilions. <laughs> Go to IMPS.com. <laughs> yeah, register now. Early bird pricing is before August 10th. Hurry up. Get your room, get reserved, get on the board, and come and see us.
2: Well... Welcome to the show, Jim Carr. (laughs) Thank
1: you. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: You know, the reason I wanted to do this is because some of the listeners who are longtime listeners know that we've been friends for about a decade. We first bonded over marketing, our love for marketing. And Cabernet. And Cabernet. And the other thing that I think you love about Red Caffeine is our culture.
1: I've been a big cheerleader for your culture for many years. It's always been something that intrigued me about your company.
2: And we're very bold and abashed about sharing it. So much so that Jason sometimes says that we probably talk too much about that and not enough about business. And we've been doing a little bit more of both, Jason. Thanks for your advice. (laughs) But what... I was really pleased. And I don't know, Jim, you're going to have to remind me, but it's been at least a year. Jason also is very big on culture. He is. We're a party of different associations. I know he's part of EOS, and we're part of Small Giants and Great Game of Business. But the premise is the same. So I want to know, when was it, both in time and in your heart, that really made you want to start adopting this journey of having not only a financially prudent business, but a purpose-driven culture-based business?
1: Well, that's a very good question to lead off, as a matter of fact, because I've shared this, and I don't know who I've shared it with. It could have been Jason or it could have been somebody I talked to. But I think the bottom line, Julie, is I've been seeing this all around me. And when I made this cognizant shift in the way that I was going to lead my company, I looked at the successful companies, the companies that were progressive, the companies that were were moving forward, and all that culture thing kept shining through. And I saw what Red Caffeine was doing, I saw the growth in your business, but it was the people that Jason and I were interviewing on our show it was resounding. It kept coming back to me. And I'm like, you know, there's something about this. This is not smoke and mirrors. This is an authentic thing. And it's really hard for somebody that's been in manufacturing for multiple decades, that's been raised one way. How do I start to translate culture in? What was the
2: first thing you did?
1: Having weekly production meetings. That was the thing. Everybody at the entire company sits down on Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m., and I have a structured set of things. We I call it a production and strategy meeting. So every week, it's about an hour, hour and a half, and we talk about quotes. We talk about new jobs. We talk about production, what's hot in the shop, when do we got to get it out, what are we doing to make the customer happy. But we've gone through some iterations on that. We've been doing that now for about two, two and a half years. And it's always continual improvement. So what I'm doing is I'm asking the employees, how do we make this production meeting, this strategy meeting more culture based? And how do we make it align with our core values? Mm. One of our core values is play. So what my lead machinist out in the shop who's been with me for 20 years, Serge. Serge. Said, I've got a great idea. I think we should throw $2 in every week and we should play the Mega Millions. And I'm like, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I want to do. So we rotate every week. Everybody goes out, we buy a mega millions ticket for the amount of people in the business. And at the end of our production strategy meeting, we go online, we pull the tickets out, and we see if we're a millionaire. One week win we won 350 bucks. So it kind of got everybody excited. And it just Elevates the culture and, and engagement. Yeah. We would
2: call that as employee engagement. You are with your teammates more than you are with your families. So really, how do you make it engaging? You know, you talked about your values. One of our values is we play to win and win together. So that would align with one of our values. When did you start rolling out? Your values, and what was the process in which you did that? And did you start with values, mission, vision, purpose? What did you start with?
1: So, the weekly production meetings started. That was the impetus behind it. And then, about six months, eight months into the production meetings, I kept hearing core values, core values, core values. And I went to my newly hired office manager, Linda, and I said, Linda, you know, I'm hearing all about these core values. I don't know. It could work, it could not work. But what I do know is the people that I talk to that have implemented core values into their corporate culture, they're really seeing the rewards from implementing them. So I said, take your time, write down as many things that you think about car machine that you like. And we just started with the list. It all starts with the list. It all starts with the the (laughs) list. So she had like 30 things on there. So we got together, we had a meeting, we reduced it down to 20. And what does it mean? And then we just truncated it every week. And then we actually pulled in Jason at the very end, because Jason has a really good sense of core values and how to structure that. And we went from 10 down to four. Which is very
2: hard to do. Now, Which was is it hard just to do. you and Linda, or did you pull in the team? No,
1: we sat in one of our production strategy meetings and we said, listen, this is what we're gonna implement. I know it sounds silly to you, but I had to tell them that I'm talking to successful manufacturing leaders. and Tuthill,
2: Orbitform, many of your guests that are leading by example.
1: Absolutely. And Tom from Tuthill, really, I could really feel that culture when I was there interviewing him. And it was just another peg in the board. And I said, I've got to implement this. I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain.
2: You know what I love? Making chips is all about equipping and inspiring. And you know what you're just talking about right here is you are equipped and inspired by your guests. absolutely, And that is just very meaningful. I think that's very meaningful. So let me ask you, when you started this conversation in your production meetings, and really you hit it on the head, it started just about having communication. Internal communication is probably the first like, unwritten rule of employee engagement. And then you started saying, we're going to talk about these core values and, and people are a little reticent and hesitant. How did that conversation start to change where you were starting to get more internal adoption?
1: Linda and I just laid it out and said, you know, these are the things that we've defined very crudely. Now it's time to put it on all of you. How do we embellish these ideas? And, you know, it was a little bit of a struggle to pull it out, but words came out. We wrote them down under that particular core value, and it all segmented together.
2: Was that about a year ago?
1: It was about a year ago that we finished up On the core values.
2: Now, have you done mission, vision, purpose yet?
1: We have done mission, vision, purpose. We call it mantra and motivation because we thought mission and vision were kind of old-fashioned, old-school kind of wording, and we're different. We feel as though we're, we're a different kind of machine shop, so we're calling it motivation and mantra, or mantra and motivation, however you want to look at it.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. And and I love how you made it your own. I think that we do the same thing as we take like the guidance and then somehow, you know, one of our core values is like everything we do has to have flavor. And so we flavor it and season it to what works for us.
1: Well, that's the magic. That's the magic. Culture isn't canned.
2: You know what? If it's canned, it's not authentic. Exactly. You bet. You bet. (laughs) We we love, we know you love the word authentic in it, as do I. So, Ours started four and a half, almost five years ago. And if I can share a story. I'd so love to hear it. In that time. It not- inspires me. <laughs> like, it does. We went from eight to 25 people in just under five years and when we were eight, is the, the, original, the eight. original eight, the crew, we all did this together. Then we started growing, both with opportunity and, and talent in line, and it got a little wonky. What do you mean? Our culture got a little wonky. We knew all of these values, but not everybody, we weren't maybe pulling. I mean the new hires through. weren't on
1: board or they didn't, no, they, we it didn't resonate with them that well or we what? We
2: weren't doing a great job pulling them through. And so, I want to know, now that you have your values, in a day-to-day, and I'll share some of our stories too, because I talk about the culture muscle. The culture muscle is the same as any other muscle. You have to be consistent and really true and committed to exercising that muscle. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing day-to-day to try to pull this through, to keep everybody true to it? So you're living it. So you're living your values.
1: So what we do at the very beginning of our production strategy meeting, I was... Find what the national holiday is for that day, it kind of warms everybody uh, <laughs> up, like it's you know national Margarita Day or it's national taffy day or whatever the whatever it is national hug day, something like that <laughs> and then all the employees we go around and we have to say something positive about. Your personal life or about things that are happening at car machine and tool that relate back to one of our four core values.
2: That's wonderful. So
1: it makes them think Co- about and our core mental va-
2: va- connection and dot connection.
1: Exactly. And then occasionally, you know, especially after we get a new hire, we bring up the core values. They're plastered around our company because we're proud of them. It's something that we it's an internal thing. It's not really an external thing. Right. It's how we live and how we play and how we move and how we shake and how we... It's the
2: soul of your business. It is, it is. I think it's really, it is the soul and the essence, essence of what your business is. Okay, so I believe one of the misnomers is sometimes that there's not an ROI, and actually I think this to an ROI, But you talked about, so now we've got employee engagement. The first thing I think you're doing, you know, like our purpose is to entangle ourselves with our team first. You know, I'm a Greek woman, so I feel like your team is your family. Our clients are our cousins. And then, you know, Greeks have a lot of extended cousins, and that's the community to fuel meaningful impact. And so you start at home first, family first. Now that you have much more engagement, let's talk about just the spirit and the essence of working at car. And then I kind of want to move on to how it's helping you with workforce development and recruitment. So now that you've got this employee engagement, do you sense, can you put words to the different tone in the office, people working better together, maybe less resentment or talk around the proverbial water cooler? What have you felt since you've made this your mission?
1: Well, it's not just the office, it's the office and the shop. It's yes. we're one, we're a unit, and we all we always talk team because we are a team. And I feel that everybody is in the game together because I always reiterate to the team that I own the business, but I can't run the business by myself. Mm-hmm. I need everybody that's working here to come together and everyone has a unique skill set and it's my job to identify that unique skill set and really push you once I've identified their unique skill set and I don't get it right away it takes sometimes it takes time it's my job to really push them into bringing their skill set to a higher level yeah so what i'm seeing is Is I think people have much more accountability in their day to day accountability, accountability, and they want to share their successes with the team, and I I encourage that because that's what it's all about. You know,
2: you said something. You know, you're talking about the highs and lows, and. We went through an apprenticeship program, if you remember, at the Junto Institute, which is all about emotional intelligence. Right. And we find that when we do share highs and lows, it really diffuses the situation. So if something does, you know, is there an error or whatever, and you know where that person is really kind of at mentally, you can really adjust your human to human. I want to ask you a very specific millennial question. Sure. So Ryan, your son, who's an amazing... As a student, he was top of his class. He's young. He's really uh
1: he's doing really well. Wonderful he's transition. Doing really a
2: very different that's another maybe I'll interview about the your transition versus his transition. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Serge. He's a great man too, but it's probably foreign to him. And so it's foreign
1: to me. It was foreign to me.
2: Do you notice that type of difference? Serge brought, brought up that idea of the game. He was right. first to raise his And hand. he was
1: the one that said, you know aha, uh-huh. like Linda said something about creating aha uh-huh moments, because when you have an aha uh-huh moment, it, it educates you and you can take that that aha uh-huh moment and you can learn from it and you can move it forward. So when I hear one of our team identify a core value, I know it's working right? and I can feel it. I just see it. And quite frankly, Julie, I never thought it was going to take hold as fast as it did. Honestly, I think maybe like three or four weeks. And I could start to see the change. Adoption. Adoption. That is wonderful. I, I was honest to God. I was shocked. I just could not believe how fast it took hold. Maybe because we're a smaller company, but who knew? Who knew? And it's a beautiful thing. Quite frankly, I think it makes it a healthier environment.
2: Completely. It There's does. no
1: angst between people. I encourage people to communicate because it's one of the things that we think is a differentiator between us and other machine shops. And we tell this to our prospects and our customers all the time is we are not afraid to communicate. It's your communication channel. It's our communication channel. And we think we own that space. I know we do. We're not afraid. We don't hide behind emails. We don't not answer the phone if the customer's calling. We respond to emails. If we're late on a job, we own up and say, hey. We
2: talk about that being the human-centric side of the business. And I think when you're talking about the softer side of the business, gosh, I don't have all the statistics because I wasn't prepared to do this interview, but to retain a talent and the cost it is to hire and the downtime to bring somebody new, it's an investment in the human-centric side of your business, which I want to kind of then translate into you've done hiring recently. I have. What do you feel has been the impact of your getting a pipeline of people to be attracted to work with you and what are you hearing on those interviews in hiring and how did you use your culture and your values to help you select the latest hires that you did?
1: Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that. I'm sure I shared it with you, but it's crazy. It's brand perception and culture and I think that once you have a great corporate culture in your company, it just, there's like an aura. It sounds like smoke and mirrors and all this crazy crap. But at the end of the day, it's real. It's bona fide. It is there. And I think that when somebody looks at your company and they see that everything's clicking and there's a good, healthy sense of community and caring, that it does attract. So recently, I hired a new sales manager, John, and he came to me. Well, he was cold calling me. John used to sell CNC machine tools. And he came to me about a year ago and he tried to get in. And I liked his style. He's a young man. And I said to him at one time, I said, you know, if you ever are thinking about working in selling CNC precision machining services, come, we'll talk, we'll see if it goes anywhere. I planted the seed. And then when he came back and said, I really want to work for your company. I've had an upset with my current customer. He said, your brand is so high. And I remember you, Julie, telling me that 10 years ago, saying about my personal brand and how your personal brand has to be pulled through into your professional business brand. And I did that. So what I'm seeing now is people that are looking at Car Machine and Tool and they know my personal brand. They're seeing that message translate into my professional brand. And now with this corporate culture, it's just like the oven's at the right temperature, and we're ready to bake some good cookies here. You know.
2: Well, let's talk about that for a second. On the why of that is, I believe that you know, from machine shop to machine shop, from marketing agency to marketing agency, from insurance company to insurance company, when you can really personalize and let the essence, the business will translate through, I believe that becomes a differentiator. Now, we're seeing a lot more of this, which is great.
1: It is great. It's a great way to run a business. It's a
2: great one to run, but not everybody's still doing it, right? There's some slow adopters, but all things being equal, which kind of has me want to translate into the next topic is, you mentioned something that it's an internal thing. We are finding, and Tuthill is finding, and these other companies is- Craig
1: Zobaris at Fusion.
2: It is a- brand differentiation in the sales.
1: It is totally,
2: totally. I can just only speak from my experience and clients that we've like advised in this. So first of all, when we develop brand stories, the first thing we start with is the why, the purpose, the soul of that business before we talk about the what, right? Because it translates internally, but it also translates externally. And being able to communicate that in a sales situation I think is huge. So have you and John discussed about how to use this as a differentiator?
1: Absolutely. So I just wrote a quick note while you were saying that because I didn't want to diminish what you were saying. We had our best customer was in the other day and they actually brought a new hire in to see Car Machine and Tool which I thought was kind of strange. And at the same time, John was there in the office and we were, we're implementing this new ERP system. It's called ProShop into our company and Ryan's killing it with that. We all are. Everyone, it's been a great, it's been a busy week. Transformational. It's going to be totally transformational. And I can't wait to talk about it in a future podcast. However, John is there and the customer comes through And I say, John, I'd like you to introduce you to Seth and Hannah, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, he starts going off. And he's like, you know, I was attracted to this company. And he went through, boom, 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 all of those things that he told me that were attracted. And I thought, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Julie, I felt so good. I felt like I was accomplished in a mission that I set out to do. I can talk about the culture of the company, but when you have one of your employees right. own it and start talking live it. about live and it, live it. When I have a new customer or a prospect come in, and I give them the spiel, and I tell them about the history and my dad and all that stuff, but then I bring in Linda, or I bring in John, or I bring in Ryan, and I say, Linda, would you explain to you know John and Joe a little bit about our core and how we developed them? And then she takes over.
2: It is Amazing. I've been part of large and small organizations, right? And when you're a mid-market business, that when you're not having to do it all, you've developed an ecosystem. It's truly amazing on how the impact that that has. And I'm just so
1: happy to hear it. I know you're interviewing me, but can I ask you a question? Okay, fine. <laughs> Even though I, you know, you're my friend, can you honestly say that you're seeing a difference in my company? I mean you're That's not why just I, flipped the I know That's but I, but, the I mean I yes. know but you're honestly seeing a difference
2: completely yeah thank
1: you for saying that that makes me feel so good because I know I'm doing my job when we talked
2: about transformational and I think I just have to to brag on you personally on equipping inspiring leaders what you and Jason did to take on this podcast was very risky and turned out to be very transformational when we met 10 years ago and you were taking pictures from your iPhone of parts and I have an, a, an Android Sorry, (laughs) and being a a natural born marketer, taking on leading in LinkedIn. And and then now with the ERP, those are huge, impactful things. And those are the stories that I think we really want to share. You know, I want to share with you what's very interesting about us. Last year, we grew again, we had the largest, nearly doubled our new business sales. And nearly 70% of that was attracted to us Because of our culture
1: Wow I mean that's it
2: And you know You always want to talk You always want the right client Right Not only do you want clients You want the right client But the sales cycles Are completely shorter Because after the first conversations We already know we're aligned When you're culturally aligned And philosophically Uh You're just one step closer To working together To having a client partner relationship And I think that that's huge That's how you move the needle And that's how Because everything has to translate business. Culture is soft or whatever, but if you're not making money, you're not paying your employees. So it all has to come back to money and profitability.
1: And there was another thing that I wanted to mention before that I failed. When I was interviewing Tom from Tuthill, he took us through the motions of their culture and he had a graph. And he showed us incrementally that when you start here with culture at the bottom, that Culture is at the foundation of your business, and at the top is the financial rewards of the culture thing. And, you know, I guess it made sense to me at that time, but it was impactful when he said that to me. And I thought, boy, this is completely different from what. I knew about business. You know, all I knew was what my dad had instilled in me. I, you know, I didn't study this in college. I mean, this is something new. This is a new way to run a business nowadays. And that was another snippet of what I needed to do to really flip The business around,
2: you know, Tom has. He also made it his own. You know how you did instead of mission, vision. You have your mantra and
1: motivation. You have your
2: mantra and motivation. Well, Tom has his compass, and they are so invested. And you know, you're my first man crush Monday, but Tom is, you know, one of my close seconds. Yeah, and it is a mind shift. What I love about the manufacturing community, why we are in love with the manufacturing community is because everything's a mind shift, right? It's an industry that's so crucial to the lifeblood of our universe. And yet often it's a little bit slower to adopt, but I think when we have these conversations and be are fully transparent, and that's really why I wanted to flip the script today is because I think that this is the softer side of the business, but the softer side of business translates to a more profitable business. You're keeping, you're attracting the right candidates who are aligned. You're engaging in keeping your employees so you don't have that run rate and you're attracting the clients that you want to work with. And I don't think it people. It cuts through the fat. It cuts through the And I don't think people talk about, you know, they talk about culture, you know, and make it whatever. Everybody's got like a culture page or something, but they don't talk about the, how it translates to being a more efficient, profitable business.
1: Right. I could not agree with you more. And by the way, it is uh, episode number 102, makingchips.com forward slash 102 with Tom Carmazzi, when the workforce becomes a life force. So very, very inspirational. Uh, check that out for any of the future episodes.
2: I want to thank you for letting me do the RC Takeover. No
1: problem. Of course. It was good. You know, I'm learning. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good that people are actually seeing a shift. So I know you wouldn't lie. And that's why I asked you just a minute ago, do you really see a change? Is our company shining a little bit brighter I know it is.
2: Well, let's end where we started. You were talking about SEO and that you're, you know, ranked number 1 in very competitive market and it's because you have done things differently. You've broken the mold and did things differently from your father by embracing things that were challenging, embracing marketing, embracing culture. Now you're embracing the horrendous like move to a different erp because you are growing your business and i think we should do this more often because i think that you are the every manufacturing man and people are equipped and inspired by you jim carr so thank thank you you. let me do the rc takeover
1: (laughs) and with that what do we say Bam. bam What did you think about the unique twist? Switching it up. That
0: that was very interesting. I thought it was great. I mean, Julie's obviously, you know, a very personable person. She knows how to interview people and ask them questions. She's a salesperson at heart. So she's always about, you know, asking the right questions in order to close a sale. So she knows how to do an interview. So it it was very informative. I really enjoyed it. always enjoyed listening to Julie's giggly, bubbly self. This is something that we've talked about many, many times. And she's smart to top it all off.
1: She is a smart woman and it's just a pleasure to call her my friend like you and I know we talk about culture a lot
0: yeah so I, I could just tell you you know like a few things that resonated with me is I need to make sure that I'm living out our culture better. I think one of the things that I've been so busy and my team's been so busy, we've been lax as far as really pushing our culture and making sure that we're engaged with each other and making sure that we're talking about you know, our culture, which we call Doobie Go Life. And I need to get back in that. I've just been so busy with like the tactical getting things done and moving the ball forward that I haven't been doing my role as the head of the company in order the to leader. do that. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that resonated with me is You guys talked very briefly about the whole personal brand and how that just aligns with your company and it affects your company. And I think that really is important because as like the head, the CEO of your company, the founder, whoever you are who you are as a person as long as you're living authentically and you're running your company the way that you live your life you're going to your personal brand is going to come out in your company the people you hire the culture that you live how you interact with your clients and so you know those two things i mean for jim and i it's easy because we have making chips and you know we're very visible as far as that goes but Every company, every manufacturing leader I talk to, you can really see the culture in their company and how it relates to them in their person, too. Yeah. So I really enjoy
1: that. Well, you know, it didn't come overnight for Car, Machine, and Tool. And, you, you know, you were a big part of that cultural shift. Thank I have, you. I have to give you Good. credit for that. You you were. Thanks. That was something that you always... Preached. I was and pushing you. Yeah. You were pushing and... I try not to be preachy. But... No, you weren't preachy <laughs> at all. But we were talking about it and the... People that we interviewed on the show. Oh, they were all about it. The successful. Well, it
0: it just goes to show you that the successful manufacturing leaders. That was one of the things that made a difference to them. So you're you're thinking to yourself, wow, if culture makes a difference to Tuthill and to Fusion OEM and to Matrix Four into these companies that are being really successful. It's got to be something that I need to focus on and that I need to make sure that I discover and really breathe out the culture of my company. And so the second thing that really resonated during the interview is that culture makes a difference. Okay, And it makes a difference in, in a lot of different ways. But the one thing that I thought was interesting that Julie said is that a lot of their growth was because there was clients that were attracted to their company culture. And I thought that that was very interesting too. And I can also see how that lives out in my company as well. But it was interesting to see that Julie attributed sales, not only sales like top line sales to their culture, but she also said that the sales cycle shortened up because these people were already aligned with who you are. They knew who you were. They knew who you were and they knew that you were going to vibe with them. It's kind of like when you're interviewing somebody and... I kind of, maybe when I'm interviewing somebody, I like to look at it from the opposite direction. And I like to push them away based on our culture so that I don't have to go through multiple interviews with somebody that's just not going to fit. So I like to scare them based on our culture and get them to say, you know, that's not me.
1: Right. Because if they're not aligned with your core values, they are and, not and going it, to be a good right, fit. Right. And in sales, ever. it
0: works much the same way. It could be just, you know what? That's not me. And right. you know, well, you don't want to attract a bad customer, right? Well, I would push back on you, Jim, and not say bad or good because I don't think that there's a. Because there could be bad or good, but I think in some of these situations, there could just be aligned or not aligned, and it's not necessarily a bad or a good thing. It's just that different cultures are different, and so for somebody that has a very serious engineering-minded. Process driven, maybe more like that old school, like German manufacturing. They might not align themselves with like a Red Caffeine, and it, it doesn't right. mean that because they're just different in their culture. And it doesn't mean that that company yeah, is bad I, or no, Red Caffeine is bad or one is good and one different. is better. They're just different. They're yeah. just not aligned. You know what I mean? And so that cycle ends up shortening itself because a you can not align yourself with the people that don't fit, and you can then align yourselves with the people that do fit. Yeah, like
1: yeah, it's, and, and there's it's no bad or good, how it works. Yeah, there's no bad or good there. And the thing is, you can't be a vendor client to everybody. So no. just let's cut through so the So align yourselves with the people that, that are more like you. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. And Absolutely. I don't want to beat a dead horse here and keep preaching culture, but let me tell you, and you know maybe we shouldn't do any more of these interviews for a while and talk about this because I you know maybe we're overdoing it, but I just want everybody out there in the metalworking nation, small shops like mine, please believe me. this is makes not, a difference. It's not smoke and mirrors. No, it's not. Start incrementally. Get someone to facilitate it. You know, ask your millennial, ask your office managers to start researching it and yeah. make small changes. I'm telling you, you will be surprised at the shift right away. At least it was for me in my experience. And it's all really good stuff. Too. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's you don't, and if you don't know where to start let us know. I mean, I've
0: consulted with Jim on this, and, and there's a lot of people out there that can help you move the ball forward as far as implementing a clear culture in your business. Because like we said before, everybody has a culture. It's just whether or not it's clear, whether or not everybody is aligned with that culture. So if you need some help, get some help as far as that goes.
1: You bet. And with that, bam.
0: Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is
2: challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. We're always thinking the same thing I know We are totally Our best, We brought the same bottle of wine so. We did <laughs>
1: That was crazy Twinning is winning I know How <laughs> about it